Hey everybody, welcome to Strong Christian Female. This week is Leanna Crawford. And if you're not sure who Leanna Crawford is, you're not going to want to not know who she is any longer. Click below. You will hear her music. You will see how to um, get in touch with her tour dates and everything else that's going on with her. She's wonderful. She is a Christian singer. She lives in Nashville. She grew up in the Pacific Northwest. And she's going to share some of her heart today, as well as I ask her a few questions about her upbringing and some other things. And she's just the real deal. She pours honesty and truth into her songs and her music. I actually find many of them just enjoyable uh, and fun, but also some of the ones that really hit deep are the ones that resonate on a level of just the human experience and how God can reach down into that human experience and really elevate us through his grace and mercy. And she just does a lovely job of being able to do that. I'm always in awe of when people can write lyrics and music that inspire or infuse uh some some emotion because of its truthfulness and she is one of those people we actually talk a little bit about that in the interview so without further ado the lovely the wonderful the the truthful and the genuine leanna crawford everybody thank you so much for coming back to strong christian female and i'm just so excited to have Leanna Crawford here today. I have I have questions for her, but I'm going to hand her the reins right off the bat. Leanna, first of all, thank you for joining me. I know you're traveling right now. You are you are visiting. Can you share with us who you're visiting? Okay. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. This is so <laughs> so fun to to be here and to get to hang. Um, I'm currently in Utah. I'm in Salt Lake. It's such a beautiful time of year to be here too. It's just gorgeous. But I'm actually visiting my fiance. Is that not engaged? Oh, <laughs> I just love the word fiance. Like I'm just like just. Say it again, you know, so flowy. I love it how was, Americans still use it. I love it. Like, I think it's such a fun, like, I'm like, fiance, here we are. It's so fancy. Where it sounds, it just makes you feel super grown up to be like, ooh, ooh, I just crossed over, like, into adulthood because I'm officially engaged. Like, and, it is. Well, I, I won't ask you to dish on the whole story because I know, I, you know, that's a, that's a personal thing and we're not super close yet. Yes. Oh, I mean, I can, I can talk about them all day. Like I love, I love that. And, well, and I know that you have four kids in your family, right? And I don't know, mm -hmm. I know you have at least a sister. What is the mix of siblings? Yeah. So it goes my oldest sister and then my brother and then me and then my youngest sister and my parents did. So all three girls, we all have L names. So it's Lauren. Leanna and Lindsay, nice. um, that never confuses anybody. And then uh, my brother is Craig. So he like, there's God just, I know, like he's Craig, like he's just, I don't know if they plan because like my sister and I are like the babies, but my mom says she loved L names because she loved writing them in cursive. And there's yeah. probably other reasons for that too, but like L is so pretty. But so anyways, Craig got left out of the L thing, but I think he doesn't care. He's good, good sport about it. But my, most of my family is still in, in uh in Washington State where I'm from and then my sister Lindsay and I were only 16 months apart and her and I moved to Nashville like four and a half years ago almost five years so we've been out oh, there but that's kind of the order of of the fam I I love that so you do have I knew you had an older sister but I wasn't totally sure if your brother was older or younger so you had an older brother and I'm just curious so I had older brothers growing up and did do you feel like that made you look at guys different like having a brother that close that's like, he's just a boy. Like bleh, boys are smelly and they make weird jokes and they're, you know, they're just boys. Because I, I, I just curious if you feel like that influenced just kind of how you looked at, at men. Because I know some women who don't have brothers and, and opposite boys who don't have women in their life, it's more of a unknown species, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I feel like it's like, okay, kind of had, kind of was able to like look at him and that. And he's, he was such a good big brother too, but definitely like, it was like, oh no, he's just like, like he always had his friends over. So it was like, I was just so used to like, you're just around, you know, all the guys Hi. growing up and, you know, Lindsay and I are just the annoying little sisters mm -hmm. that just like hang out with them. And they were like, he was so, so sweet to us, but it was just like, there's like, oh, my brother and all of his friends. <laughs> Yeah, that are annoying, and they won't get out of my room, and they play music too loud. Yeah. Being stupid. He was since he was older. Since he was older, he's 
four years older than me, three years, four years older than me, all of my friends had crushes on him. So oh. that was like, and I was like, hmm. I was like, that's kind of, you know, <laughs> I was like, no. Like, guys, um, do you know him? Maybe you met him. I was like, that's like, my I'm brother. just there to tell you I love him, but ugh, that's like, yeah, because you don't think of your brother's cute or charming or, you know, yeah. I, mean, I didn't, I didn't grow up thinking my brother was cute or charming. God bless him. <laughs> How many brothers did you have? I two. I had two older brothers and, um, and yeah, they probably really picked on you, especially if there's two of them. I'm sure they were like, well, that, I feel yeah. like because of just my one, like our one brother, he like, was, I think yeah. he was so sweet. Maybe Aww. like, I feel but, like a second born kid though. I mean, it's weird. I don't know why I don't do a lot of the birth order stuff, honestly. Cause like I read that once as a kid, I'm like, well, this ain't my family. I'm the baby and I'm nothing like that. <laughs> I should be the oldest according to this chart. Yeah. Um, and our oldest should have not been the oldest. Like we, our kids don't fit that mold, but I will say like, I feel like every family has a sweetheart, like a sweetie, like just a sweet, like, Oh, tender hearted, just a sweetheart. And when it, I don't know, my second born is that way. And he's, he, you know, I have all boys, but I yeah, and it's hard to not love a, a sibling that's sweet. Although mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know how your oldest sister is, but my <laughs> oldest son is like, when he was like, I genuinely, he was six years old and my second born son, um, was just, he got, he got his feelings hurt by a kid and, and my oldest was just so exacerbated about the whole thing. He was just like, mom, he's just so tender hearted. And he was so irritated, but he was saying tender hearted. And I just remember being like, a, who taught you the phrase tenderhearted? It's it's perfectly applied to this to my son, but I was like, and you're so irritated about it. I was like, okay, that's an oldest perspective right there. Like I, I recognize he's tenderhearted and it's super annoying. And I'm like, all right, well, there you are. So I don't that know. Is, sister. <laughs> I don't know. That is amazing. Yeah, I don't my my older sister is like definitely, I feel like the oldest in that she's like. I don't, I feel like I know a little, like I remember a little, like the birth order, like I had friends tell me about it, but like for our family, because there's like my older siblings and then there's a little gap and then Lindsay and I, and we like, I like thank my older siblings because we were able to watch like a lot of their mistakes that they made. Oh, for sure. And like Lindsay and I oh, sure. were like, we're like, oh, okay. I don't want to do that. Cause that makes mom and dad yeah. mad. And so like, yeah. we were like, well, we'll just be, so my parents gave, you know, they always said about the youngest kids, but like we got probably more free reign, but I was like, well, that's because we watched you guys make mistakes and we like doing it. But my yeah. older sister, um, was, uh, she, we're so close. Like all of us girls are very close. I, my mom, like all of us are like besties, but, um, besties, uh, I love that. but, oh my gosh, it's so special. We weren't as close when like she was in high school and we were younger, but when she, she like moved back home after she graduated college, and I must've been like, I was high school at that point. And, uh, we like for the first little while when she moved back, we like butted heads because I had decided that I was like oldest, like we're very alike. Yeah. And I didn't know that we were very alike. <laughs> we're like both very like, and so we were like, we would get into it. Cause it was all of a sudden like, she's the oldest and she's like coming back into territory. But I was like, um, no, this is my turf now, yeah, but um, now we're good. <laughs> ever again. But it was like, we would get in these arguments and I was like, Sorry, but I was like, this is so funny because we we're like we get along so well, but it was just probably because you know she's just reasserting her dominance. But she's oh, okay. like very much she's like amazing, like she's amazing. We like are best friends. But it was so funny because I look back at that time and I was like, we definitely like it was it was good for us. There was some growing. And I was like, you can be the oldest, it's well, fine. <laughs> the thing about family is you could leave for 20 years, you walk back in that house and you're still back in that pecking order and you're fighting it because you're like I actually wrote a, this is totally, this is not a braggadocious thing, um, but I wrote a play. It was grueling. Uh, I thought, you know, I knew I wasn't a writer, but I'm like, I have this idea. I don't know if this is how songwriters do it, but you're like, I have this idea. Huh, let's see if this works. And then I wrote a play and my initial idea was this romantic comedy and I go to write it and I'm just really having a hard time being honest because it's coming across as kind of hurtful. And so mm -hmm. just, just for funsies, I wrote a scene with siblings and it was hilarious, even though they were just being, but they were grownups, they were in their thirties and they were literally just like the sister was just asking the other sister what this dress makes her look like. And I just was like, oh, I, apparently I can write siblings because I can be really honest and it's 
funny because there's that sibling thing of like, no, that looks really terrible. You're going to need to go change. Okay. You know, but if you walk out and ask your husband, like, does this look okay? And he's like, no, that looks really terrible. Go change. You're going to be like, why are you so mean to me? You know, so how come I can't be so transparent? So apparently siblings are very transparent, like, and it doesn't change. You'll just keep aging and you're going to be like, guys, we're not teenagers anymore. Like (laughs) I really do have a vote on this opinion and I want, and I can, you know, tell you a little bit about what I think, you know, and it's, it's never bad. It's just funny to see that like ebb and flow. And it's kind of weird to realize like, as a, someday you'll be a parent. I'm like, oh, I won't be here someday, but you'll still have each other. Huh? Mm. What will you say about me? No, I shouldn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) It is is so funny. I feel like it really like when she moved back to and we kind of like would get in our little arguments, which we like rarely do now. But it's like sweet because especially when you get older, there's like this, there is this respect of like, okay, we're, you know, I'm sorry. We're like, you know, we're kind of equals now, even though there's, it doesn't feel like there's a seven-year age gap or however much it is like it just it doesn't feel like that and so it's really sweet to be like no we can just be best friends and we're honest with each other be like I like trust them with anything because I know they're going to be honest with me and I'm like does this like does this sound good does this make sense they're like actually no like let's try but I I'm like I totally love it but I like I trust them with anything because I'm like okay no but it is like it's it is really special and I wish like more people felt that way about their family and obviously not everybody can have that but I'm like so grateful to have and that. that's really a it's such I mean I don't even mean this like flippity do it really is such a gift that a lot of people don't they don't feel like I don't know especially those that come to the Lord and they're not in a Christian home or maybe their home is what they perceive to be is a little more legalistic um, mm-hmm. like I had really I didn't mind strict boundaries my kids have strict boundaries but with a lot of of just understanding i'm not putting these boundaries down because you're a bad person i'm putting these boundaries down because you're a human and god says to set strict boundaries on our lives if we're going to follow him and and you have to make this decision for yourself but your dad and i follow jesus so we are going to set these strict boundaries too and they're like okay but it's not out of shame but i feel like people that maybe their parents didn't do a good job of it of, of approaching it with that sort of sort of explanation or vantage point and they felt shamed or you know i I mean i hate i hate the the sad part about growing up is people start to judge judge the the past adults they had in their life in a light that i feel like sometimes is not very forgiving if i'm being frank Mm -hmm. so it's like this whole thing about like um you know people are, are 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 just saying well i feel like they should have done this and i'm like well i'm not even saying they shouldn't but can you maybe see that they were still trying to do the right thing? But for people mm-hmm. that don't feel like they can be honest with their parents without without maybe feeling judged or be honest with mm. their sibling, like it's such a blessing that you had that family that's like, I'm, they're going to be honest with you, but they're going to love you at the end of the day. You right. know, and, you're right. all, and I love that too, because this is going to kind of springboard into our first conversation uh, question uh, or first conversation. We might have 20 conversations, you guys, um, <laughs> whichever, whatever happens. But yeah. I, I also love that your songs are written from a vantage point of honesty. Like, I feel like a lot of Christian songs mm-hmm. that are more popular on the radio, not necessarily more popular on Spotify or other things, it are the ones that are either, mm, how do I balance this? Because I want to be, I want to be careful because I do know people in the music industry and I have a lot of respect for them, but they're happy. It's a perfect bow at the end of the, at the end of everything, you know, Mm -hmm. either like I'm really sad and I need help or my life is perfect and I'm fine. And I'm so glad I'm a Christian. And I'm like, well, there's this wrestling match of truth somewhere in there. And when Mm -hmm. I was listening to several of your songs, what I loved was that so many of them started out just with, listen, this is, this is how life is. And yet there's still God, right? Mm-hmm. This is the truth of, of the reality of the human experience. And yet look around you, you guys, this is amazing. Like I loved that some of your songs, like when the song about, um, your, the funeral song that you play on a ukulele. Yeah. 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 I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like the most awesome song because you should be celebrating the death of your, your old self. Right. Mm-hmm. But so many of us, I feel wrestle with that death because we're like, well, 
can we sort of keep them on life support? Like, can we keep some things? Like, do we have to really kill our old selves? You know what I mean? Like, can we just hold on to like a few things, like some shows I like and maybe some addictions I have? I'm just being transparent about like where God dealt with me, like, um, or some people I want to hang out with. And God's like, no, (laughs) he gets it. But that's why I love that song. Cause I'm like, oh, what a great Mm -hmm. take on like we don't have to live <laughs> in bondage to this old self. Right. So so I guess one of my questions is is how do you live in the reality of like looking around you and saying wow, life's pretty hard right now. People are living disconnected. There's there's anxiety, there's depression, there's all these things. And yet there's still this amazing God who loves you. Like as an artist, how do you wrestle through yeah. those tr- two coinciding truths? I think it's like, and I, I think it's, it is a, it's a wrestling match for sure. And it's this constant, like, okay, needing it, it really helps me just in like a very, excuse me, a very like practical sense to like be able to look back. And I think I've been like kind of trying, I've been (laughs) full transparency. I've been trying to like read through the Bible and like, read through it. I honestly don't know if I like have ever read through it from start to finish. So I was like, I've read, you know, like, I'm like, okay, I want to do this. And it's taken me a very long time. Like I'm just like slowly going through it, but, but I'm, I'm still, you know, chugging my way through the the old Testament. And it's just wild to me to, to see like how, like how many, like countless times like Israel goes and God's like, do this. And, and, you know, I'm going to make you prosperous and bless the nation. And, you know, you're, it's just going to, you know, I'm going to take care of you. Right. And then, and they're like, okay. And then they just do the total opposite. Right. Like it's just over and over again, the whole, that's like the whole new Testament. I mean, the old Testament is just like God just giving grace and constant mercy to the, like the people of Israel. And, and I feel like that's like me is like, I forget like constantly, like I constantly forget how good God has been. And like, I'll be in the middle of a, you know, something wild. And it's like, I feel like it's still just, it's like for me helpful to be able to look back and see where he has already been faithful in my life. And I feel like the Israelites and that, like, I feel like they had, you know, short-term memory. Like, it's like they, you know, he got them out of Egypt and they're like, well, now he's going to, you know, we're going to die because we can't, you know, there's a, you know, we got to cross the Red Sea. And, and he's like, no, like, did you forget what I just did for you? Literally? Like I just did that. And I feel like that's like, over there. Yeah. Literally 10 minutes ago, I got you out and now you're worried about this. And that's how I feel. Like, I'm like, no, like he's literally done that for me so many times. And then it'll be, you know, 10 minutes later. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And yet he's like faithful again. And I just like, I had this like realization a little while ago. It's it's crazy. Like something happened two years ago and it was so traumatic at this time. And I just had this realization literally last week. And I was like, holy cow, God, even though I thought it was like the worst thing ever, like God did that in order for me to grow. And I like can see like his like what his plan was, it was not what I thought was a good idea, but it was like, so it, it was literally like, I, I can't see it now looking back. I'm like, Oh, that had to happen. And it's so much better now. Like it, it really is. And I've grown so much. And so for me, I think the wrestling happens in like remembering and looking back. And I feel like I have, I feel like I have short-term memory. And so I like have to, I have to look back and I feel like the Israelites feel like I'm like, I forgot what God did 10 minutes ago by like literally freeing me. And it's, that's, I just looking back and having people in my life to be able to do that and to speak like truth to me, even when I don't want to hear it sometimes, like that is super helpful as well. And also like, I like, I, I talk about this a lot, but I like, I date my journal entries and then I will look back and then I can like see like something I was praying for. And then like God is answering. Like, I'm like, oh, wow. Holy cow. Like God answered that. And so that's something too. There's like, like just things that I do like, and I'm like, okay, it's, I just, I feel like I, I have to be reminded constantly. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. what? And it's true. Like, and it's like, you know, they, God set them all free. And then Moses goes up to the mountain for like, what is it? 30 days. And it's like, yeah. Let's build a golden calf, which was a god yeah. from Egypt. Let's let's build one of those gods from Egypt that we worshipped for four hundred years. Because obviously, yeah. this guy's gone. And I'm like, he just went. Up. 
what? Yeah. And it's easy. And I love your perspective because it's so easy to judge other people until you realize, oh, right. Like he <laughs> answered my prayer two days ago and already I'm panicking because something else didn't instantaneously happen for me. And God's always taking care of me. But it's like you do, you get these blurry perspectives because because we just it, we're we're like goldfish we like forget like just going swimming around yeah. the bowl forgotten where we are like i i don't it's i love i love that you're reading the old testament too because the because there's some you know like leviticus you're like yeah i did a study on ecclesiastes i'm like i'm sad <laughs> this is depressing you guys why do i need yeah. to know any of this but it's so enriching too at the same time because so many people who I, you know, there's a lady who came to the Lord later in life after being a tenured professor at Syracuse. She's an amazing woman and, um, living a life that was not for the Lord. And she said, I came, she came to, to the Lord reluctantly after proving mm -hmm. him right when she was trying to prove him wrong. <laughs> prove mm -hmm. that. And she said, so often we talk we say what the Bible says, but we don't talk about what the Bible is and mm. it's the errant word of God. So when you read it, the Holy Spirit, you're laying down this foundational opportunity for the Holy Spirit to mold you and craft you mm. and change your heart. And I think, Leanna, you are not alone in the whole, have I read from Genesis to Revelation straight through? <laughs> I'm pretty sure somewhere in my life I've read the whole Bible, but that whole thing, good for you because, and I should do that as well. I have read the whole Bible, but it's linear thing. I'm like, I got to skip to second Corinthians. I got to like move. Yeah. I got to get to something I can understand. <laughs> Lord, please. Like, and yet it is. it's so fascinating when you read it. Cause it's just, it is, it is. And I'm in like the, the story portion now. So it's like, it's helpful too, but it goes, you know, there's all the different things, but it is so funny. Cause I grew up in the church and I think, I feel like especially people that like grow up in church, they feel like they're supposed to know answers just because they grew up or like, mm -hmm. like I'm like, there's shame because I haven't read the Bible all the way through. And it's like, that's just like a, it's so funny, but I'm like, no, like what? Like I'm just, I haven't done it. Like I'm like pretty sure I've never done it and I'm doing it now, but I, I grew up in the church and I just like, I was like, I, I want to do this one, but it's so good for me, but it is, it is just funny. And I think, you know, you like all the Bible stories growing up. And I'm like, man, how could the Israelites like, just like turn on God like that? You know, it's just like over and over again. And then I'm like, oh, well, okay. I kind of relate to that. <laughs> like, I'm just oh, like, oh, okay, here I am. Like, yeah. I forgot. Darn. Like already. I just, I, you know, the worst, the worst thing about reading the Bible is you'll see a lot of yourself in there. Yeah. Like, oh. there go. yeah. Cause we all want to be like, you know, I mean, the only, there's only one Jesus in the world ever guys. So we're either one of the disciples who are a bunch of knuckleheads or we're one of the Israelites who are a bunch of knuckleheads or like, you know, it's rare that we're going to be like, I mean, there's just no one in there that isn't in his grace, kind of a mess up that he redeems. Right. So it's like right. that redeeming those redeeming stories. But like you said, we want to, we want to be from the vantage point, like, Oh, those guys are such idiots. And it's like, Oh, oops, that's just me. That's just me. Okay. It's just me, what I would have been like 2000 years ago. I just had a bunch of me, like, so it would have been a bunch of us. Like, uh, yeah. well, so speaking of the church, I want to, I, I love that you were raised in the church and you were right. raised in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. And that is, so for those listening that are not from the Pacific Northwest, this is, I'm not from there, but I lived there 16 years and I love it. It's beautiful. There's a deep rootedness of those that have a faith. Those that have a faith there, <coughs> those that have a faith there, it is, it is a, another level in my opinion. It isn't, um, flippant. It isn't like there's a church on every corner. Let's go church shopping. Those that are in church, they're in church. Like they are, they are deep wells. How yeah. do you feel that spiritual foundation of yeah. being in a part of the United States where it culturally it wasn't as common, right. right? Like I know you're in Tennessee now. It's just more common to meet people that grew up in the church than right. people in the Northwest that grew up in the church. How do you feel like that spiritual foundation prepared you for what you do now? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a, it's a wild thing. I think just like moving to Tennessee and even 
talking about like telling people like, oh yeah, like I, you know, in Washington, like, you know, where I'm from the Pacific Northwest, I'd be like, I do Christian music. And they're like, you do what? Like, yeah. it's just like, a, we're like, I'm like, a, but in like, you know, Tennessee at first, we're like, oh yeah, I do music. I do Christian music. And, and they're like, oh, cool. Like, it's just like so normal. There's yeah. a church in every corner. There's, I you know, you know what I there's, mean? Like, also, yeah, it's like, like yeah. me too. Yeah. Like, you know, so-and-so goes to my church. Like, it's just like everybody goes to church. Everybody, and it's such a beautiful thing. And I think it's, I think it's awesome, but there is like growing up and, and I came from, you know, in, in our North of, of Seattle even. So it's more rural, but you're still in, you know, the Pacific Northwest. And there was a, a few churches in my town and I'm super grateful to like, I have not, everybody feels this way about their church. And I wish that's like, wasn't the case, but like, I have like really sweet memories and I had like a very incredible like not a not a perfect church not perfect people but it was a, it was a sweet like it was a just a sweet church my parents still go there like it's been they've been there 35 plus years like it's just like it's a it's very rare maybe now that like that that could be a thing and you know that all those there's lots of different things for that reason but it's it was a sweet place to to grow up and be raised in that and my my parents were very like, they weren't necessarily, I would say like strict when it came to like certain things, but it was like, like we were at church, um, a lot. Like we did a lot of sports as well. Like my sister and I rode horses. So we were gone a lot of weekends too, but like we were at church. And then if not, we were also at youth group or both, you know, like we were just like, we were always there and it was very much a part of my growing up. Like it was like, I was like, I was also homeschooled. So a lot of my friends were from church. <laughs> so it was like, they were, they were either like, they were either from, you know, I did, I actually did some musicals growing up, which was fun, just a few and loved them. Um, but they were either like, did, you know, musicals, they were either in the horse world or they were from church. Like those were like, and it's a very, like, it was a very special thing to have that. And a lot of my best friends in high school, all church, like I had a, a sweet, you know, of course, high school, there's all the drama and you can't really, you know, even if you're homeschooled, you just can't, you just can't get past it. Like you're just, you got to be in it, some of it, but I have very sweet memories. And this foundation of like, I was surrounded by like-minded, like high schoolers. They're all like, you know, we were do like doing mission trips together. We were doing service projects. Like it was like very, a part of our like culture and in our small little church, in our, you know, little community. And I couldn't be more like grateful for that. And I know that is like a, a rarity thing, but I even like still will go back and sing sometimes for Christmas Eve. Like, it's like, I'm still a part of that, but um, it definitely, I think it's in like the Pacific Northwest. It feels like you kind of, you're either a believer or you're not kind of thing. And of course there's still like, even if you grow up in the church, you know, there's still the, you can go kind of middle ground or whatever, but it still is like, there's a contrast of, of which, you know, like you were there for 16 years and you're like in the heart of it. Like it's, yeah. you're, you're either yeah. a, it's like, a believer or you're not. Like it's, and if it's you're not, great. you'll get worn out and you'll leave. Like if you, if you really, if you come in and the only reason you're Christian is because your parents drug you to church on Sundays and you've never owned that faith for yourself. It may take 10 years, but I watched so many of my friends over that 16 years just lose their, they, they, I, I don't even know if I want to say they lost their faith. I just think they never took ownership of the faith walk for themselves and they never, they never followed Jesus on their own. So they eventually just started following new age or whatever else. And yeah, yeah, it's just it's, starkly black and white compared to, I feel like the South, you know. It is. It's, it was so interesting and fascinating to move to the South after like growing up there for sure. And I, and there's a lot of like beautiful churches that are there. Like it's, oh, there sure. are some awesome churches and it's like it, but it is that crazy contrast and it's wild. But yeah, if you're, if you, I mean, and you have to be, you know, anywhere you go, right. You need to oh, be like strong, absolutely. but it is, it is wild when you can, you know, everybody goes to church in the South. It's not a weird thing. Like it's no. just everybody. Does it's almost not. a cultural thing. It's like, it is, you know, it is. I'm so there's like down there too. So I loved it, but I didn't realize not everybody did that. And I was like, wait, you guys don't go to church. They're like, no. I'm like, what do you do on Sundays? <laughs> it's like, did not even compute. And they're like, nothing. We go to coffee. You know, I'm like, <laughs> uh, 
there's things open on Sunday. Like, you know, I mean, there's now, but like when I was a kid, everything was shut on Sundays, you know? Yeah. It was like, everybody's at church. So it's no, it's so, so wild, but I'm, I'm super, super grateful. And as much as there is like a, I do believe like a spiritual, like a darkness. Yeah. So like in yeah. a lot of those areas, like it totally is. There's also like some incredible yeah. light and just Absolutely. like, Amazing. But it is that crazy, like contrast again. And yeah. I know there's, it just, it is, I mean, that's a lot of like the West coast, especially the Pacific. Oh Northwest. Well, it's like lighting a match in a cave, right? Like right. you're like, Ooh, all of a sudden, you know, that's what the churches there are. You know, they are like a match in a cave or a lantern. And you're just like, Oh my gosh, you stick close to it because it's the only way you're going to find your way through. But it seems so unbelievably bright because of how deep the darkness around them is. And, and so on that, like you were saying, in that respect, like it's amazing, you know, I mean, and and so I, I feel like what I've told people, I'm like, I think that one of the greatest things that ever happened to me was moving from one extreme to the other when it came to, cause it challenged my faith. Do Mm -hmm. I believe what the Bible says is true? Do I Mm -hmm. actually believe this? Because I had every opportunity not to because of the philosophical deviations of my Christian friends and how they would water down the word and excuse things away. And I just knew because of my deep rooted faith with the Lord, I'm like, this is not okay. So it's interesting to be tested, even though you're not looking for it, you know, and some people test the other way, like they get too comfortable and they don't, they don't feel like they have to, you know, do anything. Um, but I, I love that. I love that God allowed you to grow up. I ladies, I'm sorry about the dinging. I've, I've turned it off three times. I am sorry too. Cause mine was okay. dinging earlier. So th- that'll be fine. They'll, you know, what's cracking me up is I bet how many people are looking at their phone. Like, is my phone like, Oh, that's them. Um, <laughs> sorry guys. It's okay guys. We're all just a little <laughs> cuckoo. So I know, I know you have a life to live and things to do, but I wanted, so there were, two, there were kind of two things. And I, I think, I think we can, I think I can fit them into one question. Let's see if she can do it. Um, so like what I know about creativity and the creative process is it's a, it's a lot of, uh, inspiration and then a lot of being willing to tear it apart and build it back up and tear it apart and build it back up. Right. Mm-hmm. And then in order to be in a level of accomplishment that you are, it's also, a, it's a ton of hard work and it's a lot of trial and error. And it's a lot of, Oh my gosh, I love this. And people going, Hey, you know, like I was just listening to this story by, um, by a, a group and he was hilarious. And he said, so here's the song we're going to sing. That is not a, is not a hit. And here's why it's not a hit. <laughs> it's because it's about monogamous relationships and long-term love. And apparently that's not popular in uh, our genre, but we're going to sing it anyway. And I loved it because that was just so true. The guy, the, their manager was like, so I need some sort of breakup, some sort of sadness, some sort of heartache, some sort of wrestling, some sort of something. And this is about monogamy and love and devotion. Not going to go anywhere. <laughs> And so they put it on their album and the irony is on Spotify, it's one of their biggest hits, but, but he's really honest in concert about it. And I laughed because I was like, ah, here these guys are, and they've reached a certain level of accomplishment and they just want to write what they want to write. And I'm being really transparent. People want to, it's just, it's just true. A lot of us want to hook, or we want to feel like we can go on that journey with you, or we want a reason Mm -hmm. to stay in the story. And that's true of screenwriting. That's true of a lot of things. Torture the hero is what they call it got to torture the hero. Um, and it works like every really good movie. If you think about it, there's probably a little bit of torturing of the hero, you know, of some kind and songs mm-hmm. are sort of the same way. There's a build, there's this. So how do you just as, as curiosity as a creative, how do you let that hard work and that inspiration you feel like is from the Lord work in tandem with each other? Because they mm. really do, because it's not to say that the, the songs that hit the floor are any less valuable than the ones that go onto the album. But I, I'm just curious, not your process of songwriting so much as, is there a process you go through of what you decide? No, I feel like this really is what's supposed to go out there. I really do feel, mm-hmm. and I know I'm going to work really hard and I, and I've worked really hard on this song, but it's a combination of what do I give up on and what do I pursue? Even if it's just yeah. pursue what goes on your album. Right. Right. Yeah. 
I, there's, I mean, the not like creative way would be to say there's also like it's myself and my like label and management mm-hmm. that helped decide that. Like that's like the okay. the side of it that's like kind of like, you know, behind the curtain a little bit of like sometimes it is like, you know, the the artists that are, you know, in the studio for weeks and they're, you know, slaving away like, you know, the John Mayers of the world or just Taylor Swift's and they're like they put whatever they want on an album. Right. And like, that's a beautiful thing for them. For someone like me, who's still leaning into the wisdom of the people that have been in the industry 20, 30 years, you know, longer than me, you know, I, I want their wisdom, but I have heard like, you know, a lot of, you know, artists that have been in it a long time, they'll like have told me different things. But I remember one artist we were, had just finished writing and, he, he told me to like fight for the songs that even if they're not singles, like a lot of the times, like the teams, like you're saying, like the, the, the songs that everybody hears aren't often the time, like the songs that like are the ones that like really mean like the most, like an artist, not that they don't and they're any less like, like special, but it's just like, oftentimes they might not be like the ones that are like the, the heart songs. And so like that artist shared, like, besides the singles, like fight for the other ones on the album, because like, that's, that's where you're able to be creative, which is like, that's like the, you know, in an album cycle, this is like so nerdy, but like, that's like the, the album cycle, you might have like two or three singles from that album, radio singles, and the rest of the songs, you know, the fans might hear them or Spotify or Apple music, you know, those people might hear them, but probably most of the, you know, majority of the audience won't. And that's true. in like most, genres of music like it's just like true across the board that's just like what it is like we don't we consume one song you know we don't consume like a whole album usually and so there's that side of it but I think balancing like I I I want like it's really easy to want to like to fight for like the the radio hit or what you think like what I think in my mind is like what is like the radio hit what is the song that everybody's gonna like it's gonna speak to everybody not in a manipulative way, but like in a way of like, I want, I want a song to like, to speak to, you know, whoever it's supposed to speak to, but write like, write that, that radio song, which is like such a weird thing to be like, we're writing that, but it is like, that's kind of what you do sometimes. But then there's also these other rights that are even more powerful when you're just trying to write the song and like serve the song. And, and then sometimes that ends up becoming the song that, well, you never expected, you know, the team to connect with. But sometimes I think in my case, like I've only had a a couple songs to radio, but especially my last one that went to radio was a song called Mean Girls. When we wrote that song, when I wrote that song and and had this idea, I never thought like it would be radio. Like I just, it wasn't even the title. Like it's just not meant for that. And, you know, it, it ended up getting played and some stations played, and it was like crazy. Cause I was like, but it was one of those songs that I was like, I didn't think that would be at all, but it was really close to my heart. And it was one of those like, where I was like, okay, I served the song the best way I could. And, and that's like my, my goal in my heart. Like I want to write. And I, I think most people do, like, I think everybody wants to write on his songs, but then there's also, it's just this like hard balance of like, okay, I also want to, you know, have like, what is the, what is success too? And you're right. Like, you know, you're in the industry and radio is an amazing thing. And you also want songs to be there, but then you also want songs to be over here. And, and so I feel like that's what I'm like in, like in the process of, and in the middle of like constantly trying to figure that out. And sometimes I get caught in that and like caught in like, okay, but I don't think I would say this. Like, I don't think this could be radio. And then someone like literally this happened a few weeks ago. And I was like, I just don't know that this is radio. And then one of the other writers was like, well, let's like serve the song and let's like not worry about that. And then if we need to come back and tweak it, we totally can. But it was like a really good check for me to be like, okay, that I want this to be a creative process. I want to be moved by what I'm doing. And when I have that perspective, I am like, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm almost in tears, like, right. You know, writing this and who knows if it'll ever see the light of day, but that's like such a beautiful, like, it's such a beautiful process. And so I feel like I'm constantly like checking my heart of like, okay, what, like, I, I want to, you know, serve the song. I also want people to be able to connect with the song, but I feel like 
I connect with songs when writers are really honest about their themselves. And so I'm like, okay, how can I do that for other people? How can I be honest about me and what I'm going through? Whether that is a, you know, maybe a more joyful song, maybe a sad song, maybe in the middle of a song or whatever it is. And how can I be honest? Because that's when I feel most connected to music is when people are honest with themselves. And I have, there's so many songwriters I love that do that so well, but I, 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 I think it's just a constant, like, thing I'm learning and like processing through. And I, I just, I want to, I want to write, you know, yeah. honest songs, but it's like, I can say that, but like, how do you do that? And it's like, I want, you know, so I'm, I'm super just in the process of that. Super. I'm super grateful yeah. to be like, I have freedom to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's like you, how do you write sincerely, but from the vantage point of also knowing whether we like it or not, the more you learn, sometimes the more complicated a process becomes because now instead of being 14 and sitting down at the piano and plucking out something for funsies, you're like, you know, all, whether you, again, whether you like it or not, you've been taught some formulaic stuff. You've been taught what a hook is. You've been taught. And it's like that knowledge is not bad, but it's, it's like, how do you peel back all the knowledge and just sit down and be, and, and be raw, at least with the first version of it. And then, you know, I think Phil Wilkham does a lovely job on some of his songs of just being like, dude, did you just walk in the room and like sit down at the piano? And like, what the heck? Like Adele, she's phenomenal at that, especially her first two albums. I mean, I, I, I get that she may not have the same worldview as everybody, but the reason that girl went gangbusters, she was 19, is because she sat at a piano and poured her heart out and broke your heart listening to some of her stuff. And yet, and I mean, mm-hmm. in my era, way back in the day, um, I, ladies, I didn't own the album, so don't be judgy. But Alanis Morissette, Alanis Morissette shattered the, the glass ceiling because everybody owned that girl's album, even in my Christian school at college. So I'd be walking down the hall and hear like, Alanis, 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 I'm just getting to my room. And it's like, each, each every other song is playing. I'm like, okay, someone's having a jagged little pill of a day. And I just over my, but I mean, she went gangbusters because she wrote about what was done to her in a way mm. that people were like, dang, this woman's, and, and it wasn't necessarily whining and complaining, mm. but it was raw and honest. So, so I, I love that you were so transparent about that answer because I, I also commend artists, you know, it's funny. I've sat around with artists, <clears throat> um, do we call them artists? She says to herself, when uh, <laughs> around with people for you know decades, and they'll philosophize about art and not know how to make money at it. And I love this. There's a book called "Real Artists Don't Starve," and I was mm-hmm. like, "Ooh, that's that's got my attention because I agree with this that." This is a good book. <laughs> and his whole thing was, listen, like if it, it's like Michelangelo was employed his whole life after he apprenticed at the age of 14, right? He wasn't allowed to touch anything for 10 years because Mm. maybe it was even 15 years because the guy he would apprentice under didn't let anybody do anything except like little bits of things. He never had his own individual work. So, but once he did, he ran with it and he wasn't always doing what he thought was a masterpiece. He was working Mm. a job and making money. And I think Mm. in that he still brought glory to God. Like, I don't know that, and the Sistine Chapel wasn't his idea. It was something he was allowed to do. And it was something Mm. he was hired to do. And it is, he poured everything he could into it. And yet Mm -hmm. he didn't commission it. He didn't pay for it. Like, I think we have to have these balances, Christians, to say, if God opens a door for us to step through, like he's opened a door for you. I love that you wrestle through this because you do want to serve the song, but because that is the business. And yet, mm-hmm. how do you also serve God? And I feel like mm-hmm. what I'm praying for God to do, and I feel like he is doing this, so I don't want to be misunderstood, is to pour out more of his spirit on the artists that have mm-hmm. that have that vantage. And even if it is like you're at a concert and you sit down at the piano and you're like, I'm just going to play something that's coming to me right now. You know, mm-hmm. not that you would audibly express that. I think worship leaders have that luxury a lot of times, you know, those that are allowed to just do their thing. But I don't know that always once we reach a, once we pigeonhole someone into an artist that writes 
songs for radio or whatever, we, we should give them that freedom because I think that's their first love, you know? So yeah. I love, I love, I love that. Um, and I, I really do respect any Christian artist who's in this industry wrestling through that because it is hard. And I, and I say, and this is my opinion, not Leanna's praise God, you make money at it. Like do it. Like who wouldn't you guys let's be grownups for a second. Who doesn't want to make money doing what they love? Then do it. As long as it doesn't go against your moral compass. Like everyone's working a job at some point to make money. But if it's doing what you love, like never, mm. like it's, it's just, it's hard for me as someone who is an artist who, who did for so long make money at it. Ha, you know, that critical attitude that some people get into. But I think what I also would ask is, so, so this is kind of tagging on, I know, I know in one of your interviews, you, you talked about going to Haiti on a mission trip when I think you were 15. I'm t and I've been on, I went on many mission trips going up, growing up. And you said in this, I'm not, I'm paraphrasing. So I apologize if I'm getting this a little wrong, that it was really on that trip that you felt like you were going to be creating music for, for, mm -hmm. for your, for your life's call. Mm -hmm. And I love that God took you to an island <laughs> very far from your house, the opposite mm -hmm. end of the country. Then again, a hop over my nephew's Haitian um, to show you something. Do you ever feel, do you ever reflect back on that moment and just still wonder why it took that not to say he wouldn't have revealed mm -hmm. you at some other point but but do you ever i'm just curious do you ever wonder why god used that experience to reveal that to you i think it was i think there's a few different reasons but i think one of the the biggest things that i look back on is like that was probably one of the first times in my life where i like sat alone and i like listened and that like is so, it was so like foreign to me. I just, I'm like, I was, I was very social in high school too. Like I was like social little butterfly. I was always hanging out with people and the team leader on that trip, who was one of my friends had kind of encouraged each, each one of the, each, each person on the team. It was a small team of us, maybe 16 people, maybe 20, but, um, each, each, each one of us on the team, he had like written us a letter and like, here's, you know, here's what I'm praying for you for this trip. It was really sweet. But for me, his, which is hilarious because at the time I was like really offended, but his thing was like, Hey, I'm, I'm praying that you can find time to like be alone with God. And like, and he, he was like, he meant it in a way of like encouragement of like, <laughs> it was just so funny. Cause I was like, excuse me, but it was, so I was like literally taking time on this trip to intention intentionally like be alone, which is really hard for me. And I don't know what it was, but I didn't have an alarm set. I would get up before everybody else on this trip and probably every morning, if not almost every morning. And it was like, I was just woken up and it was, we were staying next to this, this church and this compound, but it was an unfinished, um, as, as most buildings are there, most places are an unfinished rooftop. So I would go upstairs and it was like, I would sit on the, on the roof with my journal and the sun would be coming up. And a few mornings there was a women's Bible study going on and they would be singing, which that was just absolutely incredible. It was so beautiful. I, I have prayed that I could hear them sing again. Like, it's just, it, it was, I cannot even describe the experience, but I, it was, I think it was a huge part of that was like the first time that I actually sat alone and, and maybe it didn't have to be that it was all the way over on the other side of the country on an Island, you know, but I think that was like really because it was the first time I sat and listened and like really by myself. And I, I didn't, it wasn't like the first day that happened. I think it was just over the course of that trip. And I would just kind of sit by myself with, with God. And like, that was probably the first time in my life I had done that. And so I think that was, and I was, I was 15. So I was asking, like, I was like, I, I don't know what my future holds. I was asking and I was praying and I was like, what do I, what do I do? And that's, that's probably why it's because that, that was like the first time I like gave God that time, which sounds so funny. And so like, oh, obviously I should have been doing that before, but it was like really a pretty powerful thing. in like my story of like, I, I sat probably yeah. for the first time just in alone with God. Yeah. I, I love that answer um, because it's, I think it's something that echoes in everyone's life. 
life gets busy and hectic and scheduled. And it's so easy to not carve out time for the Lord, but to say, you know, I, I actually love your honesty. Like that was probably the first time I ever really sat by myself and, and the Lord, you know, and just said, no offense, you're not there for any other reason except to serve and like be with the Lord. Right. right. So, so I, I know you have to go, but Leanna, before you go, I just, I, I just want to say, number one, I love your music. I love your honesty. I love that you're a happy person and you like to show that in your music as well. But I also just want to say it's honoring to meet someone that wants to just be a catalyst for God through your gifts. And, and I, and I love that you haven't let, even in the wrestling of the business industry and the, the creativity for cash, as some people call it. And I'm like, again, whoop, whoop. Like I'm all in on that. Like, yes, Jesus, bring it to more of us. Thank you very much. But at the same time, I just want to say like, I just, just before we go, even though I just, I will be praying for your marriage mm -hmm. and for, as you guys come alongside each other in your dreams, mm -hmm. that there's not, it doesn't even feel like you're wrestling that out. It's just going to be seamless. And mm -hmm. I love that you're marrying someone that gets it, that gets hard work, yes. you know, but that you do carve out time for God, but for each other. And it's just been such an honor getting to know you. And I know mm -hmm. everybody who listens to this will be looking, if they're like, who's Leanna Crawford? Just look below. And go find her stuff because it is, you, you'll be like me and you'll download everything to your playlist. And I was playing my like, listen to this. And my boys, I mean, they love new music, so um, they'll love it. But thank you so much for your time again. And best, I don't want to even say best of luck. That's cheese ball. Like, I don't, I don't wish people luck. Like, I just know God's going to use you. And I'm so mm -hmm. happy you have a solid family to keep you rooted and encouraged because you are in a place of honor and that can feel very humbling and a little scary, but I just, I, I would be proud to have my kids look up to someone like you. So it's been such mm -hmm. a blessing to meet you. So thank you for oh, that. Thank you. I've, I've seriously loved our conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Seriously. This has been <laughs> such a blessing to me today. Thank you. Well, you are welcome and hopefully get rest because I hear musicians <laughs> never get that because they're always on the road. <laughs> You're always touring. <laughs> it's on the tour. I love it. It's a count? fun life. Yeah. yeah, it is fun. Yeah. And I love that you think it's fun there, you know, cause that's what you're wired to do. Like God's like, I'm going to call her cause she'll think this is fun. <laughs> there, there are days, there are days, but for the most part, for the most part. <laughs> I just want to nap you guys. That's all I need. Yeah. 10 minutes. Thank you so much, Leanna. Yeah. Thank you so much, Charity. Thank you.